This podcast is powered by The Plug. Hey there, podcast listening people. Connor Doobie here. Very much appreciate you tuning in to the show. We are Mile High Mentors, and we're here to bring you information, strategies, resources, and stories from the local mentors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and subject matter experts. Wherever you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe for future episodes. We are on all of your favorite podcast platforms, all of your favorite podcast apps, and please leave a five-star review so others can find the show too. As always, we have an incredible show for you here today. We're going to roll right in, but make sure you go and visit all of the links in our descriptions. Make sure you visit the links on our social media sites, wherever you find us at Mile High Mentors to learn how to get connected up with mentors, resources, the services that we provide for the community, the nonprofits we're involved with, and to learn more about how you can support the podcast and support Mile High Mentors. We are by the community, for the community, with the community. You can also email us, milehighmentors at gmail.com. Again, milehighmentors at gmail.com. If you have guests you recommend, you might be interested in being interviewed on the show, or you want to collaborate, sponsor, partner up in one way or another. Those are things we are always open to, milehighmentors at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or your company are looking to jump into the podcast world, now is the time. The Plug Agency is here to connect you to the full power of podcasting. You just record and leave the rest to us. The people are listening and want to hear from you. Theplug-agency.com. That's theplug-agency.com. Click the link in the episode description for an exclusive offer. Without further ado, my friends, we are going to go ahead and dive right in. Uh, you do most of your business remote? Um, so yeah, I mean, pre-COVID and post-COVID, we, we kind of have a, a, a different methodology of how we work in office. So we've always been in, for the most part, a, a two day in-house and a three day work from home. So mm-hmm. we tend to, tend to Monday, Wednesdays come in um, and work as a team. And obviously that's a lot of team building and collaboration and such. Um, and then, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is more of a, you know, get your work done days. So those are more work from home. Um, and obviously we still have done zoom and we've done, uh, you know, the, all the slack and phone calls and such, but, Traditionally, it seems like we get a lot more, you know, just busy work done from home and a lot more collaboration work uh, in person. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a good combination of the two. Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite. I got to be, I got to be uh, alone to like, yeah, I mean, or, or like around a lot of stuff going on to get busy work done for some reason. I've got that weird opposite issue. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, we find if we're, you know, when we're in the office, there's a lot of collaboration going on. So it's very difficult to get like, I'm focused on a specific task. It's real difficult when you're, cause you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. So that's why we have the work from home days to get, you know, get your stuff done. Definitely. What do you like most being in business uh, in Colorado in a state like Colorado? 
Well, I mean, obviously it's just like everybody else. I mean, the, the weather and, and just the, the climate and, and just the atmosphere in general is obviously a big thing of Colorado. I mean, that attracts, you know, millions and millions of people from, from a tourist standpoint. And I mean, that's a big aspect, but you know, it's, it's not the West coast, it's not the East coast. Uh, so you kind of get, still get a little bit of that very friendly nature. Um, yet you still have a very technology driven city. So you, it, it's really cool to be, you know, in the mix from a, from a, from a technical standpoint, but you still kind of get that, you know, uh, central U S kind of family feeling, um, between your coworkers and just people out and about, you know, everybody here is very friendly. Um, and that's, that's a very nice aspect as well. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been here for? So I moved here, I believe in 2000. So been here 20 years now. So quite a bit of my life. <laughs> so counts as native status. I tell anybody. Yeah. I, you know, you still have, you, obviously when I first, first moved here, that was a lot of, a much bigger thing. You know, I'm a native and I'm native, but as Colorado has, has grown anymore, it's, you know, there's obviously a lot, a lot of people that aren't. So yeah, if you've been around for a little while, it's almost like you're native. Correct. Yeah, definitely. I don't, and people get all territorial about it. I'm like, oh. I don't care. I want more people to move here. I'm sure you do too, as a business yeah. owner. Yeah. Yeah. So I, we're, we're the same thing. I mean, it's, it's a great place to be. It's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place to, you know, start your, your entrepreneurial, you know, uh, drive here. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities from, um, from different aspects. So, I mean, obviously Colorado is a, a, a very tech technical and tech driven city. It's, you know, from the medical side of life, what we're in, it's, 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 you know, one of the top one or two and same thing on the tech side of life. So um, it's, it's a great place to, to start something up. And what are some of your favorite non-work related Colorado activities? Non-work related Colorado. Well, I mean, again, I uh, go just enjoying nature. So I'm, I'm, you know, I can't sit in, inside all the time. So I'm out and about a lot. So I, I'm not a person that can just stand still all the time. So um, you know, I used to do a lot more snowboarding, um, with the traffic anymore, it seems to be a little bit more difficult to get up there. So you have to try to figure out how to, you know, gauge your time during the week, um, to make it up there. Um, obviously like hiking and just the, just getting out in the mountains. And, and it's one, one of the best things about Colorado is, you know, you can drive two hours in different directions and be in a different world. So, um, there's not very many states where you can do that. I mean, you can drive south and be in the middle of a sand dune. You can drive west and be in some of the biggest peaks, or you can drive east and be out in the desert. I mean, it's just kind of what you want to do, and that is absolutely amazing. It's just there's not many places on earth that you can you can see different worlds and not have to drive very far. Very true. I've traveled all over the world. It's hard to beat a place like Colorado. All the versatility to it. It's amazing. Yep. Yep. That's cool. You feel the same way. Most, most do. I mean, that's a huge draw. I think the texting here too, is that allows such a unique ability for creativity when you can uh, involve yourself with other activities rather than just like you're in a, you know, in a, in, in the middle of the city in New York, totally different, mm-hmm. totally different yeah. innovation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been doing consulting a lot of my life. So I've spent, um, and I've lived in New York for a year. I've lived in DC. I've lived in Honolulu. Um, I've lived in Kansas City. So I mean, I've, I've experienced a lot of the United States and, and, you know, each one has differences. I mean, obviously Hawaii and, and the uh, aspects of the ocean and, and living in New York and DC from aspects of, I mean, the, the city life. Um, but, you know, they all have differences. But it, I tell you what, coming back here is always like is, is I, I want to be here. So it's, 
is the best place and it kind of has the best mix of like everything that I, I enjoy. So uh-huh. you see yourself sticking around here for the long term? Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's times that, you know, the wife and I think, well, where would we like to live? And you start putting positives and negatives, like where you would want to go. And it, it's hard to beat here. It really is. I mean, there's, um, I'm not, you know, I, I definitely love the big city when I was maybe younger, um, without a family, but, uh, like living in downtown New York when I was 20 was really cool, but not, you know, not now with a, I have a five-year-old. So, um, growing up in that aspect is, is a little different. So it's, you know, Denver is definitely a, an opportunity where you, you have a little bit of the city life, but again, you have a lot of things to go do and you can kind of get away from it. So yeah, I, I definitely see myself being here for a while. We'll have to dive into the New York stories at another time. Cause <laughs> I know you've got plenty of them to share. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, absolutely. Do uh, so what led you to where you're at right now and in, in your career path, a little, little bit of background on that to leading you know, large team now doing lots of great stuff. Um, share, share, share a bit of background for us. Sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, my background is, is a little different from the technology standpoint as I was actually a division one football player. So traditionally that's, you know, uh, college football and going into um, kind of the tech side of life. Those aren't two aspects that uh, usually come together, but that, that was me. Um, so, you know, going through college, it was kind of the direction you want to go, play in the NFL or do you want to start, you know, your, your business life? And I, I definitely started to move in the direction. Well, you know, uh, I really wanted to go and, and, and start, you know, my business life. So started that, that side of life, um, got into consulting pretty much right out of college, um, more in the cloud infrastructure and security side of life. Um, and, and had some good mentors and ended up running into my current business partner all the way back in like 2003. Um, he was, you know, he had a small um, consulting firm that I ended up, you know, just randomly joining. Um, and, you know, we hit it off very well and, and ended up doing a whole bunch of cloud infrastructure and cybersecurity consulting all over the United States. Um, it eventually ended up becoming a partner of his. Um, and, uh, and then we ended up kind of, uh, and then around 2008, when some of the economy started collapsing, we ended up um, taking the company that him and I, um, had and roll integrated into a government um, integrator. So ended up going to work out of the Pentagon um, on the government side of life, uh, which was, was very interesting, but also very frustrating as well. So there's a whole nother component um, and aspects of rules and regulations and, and following rules and politics that uh, in the government side of life that are neat, but also very frustrating. So, uh, we were in that for quite a bit of time and um, helped ended up uh, integrating a bunch of stuff for um, soldiers um, during, obviously during the, a lot of the Afghan and Iraq war. So, um, you know, it was kind of a pride thing of being able to help soldiers in that sense. But uh, in what uh, way particularly, could you talk on that at all? Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. So the, the, they're not going to come pro- find you and hunt you down. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, so obviously the, depending on the different projects you work, you know, they're classified or unclassified project, but the, the big one that we were working on was, it was a, a non-class project, but basically what we were doing is providing digital forms for soldiers. So think of all the different forms as you as, you know, just a civilian have to fill out, um, whether it's medical or what, blah, blah, blah. And in the military, there's all sorts of forms, whether it's an evaluation form, a medical form, um, a, a yearly form, all these different forms. Well, traditionally that had to all be done in person. Well, when you're out in the middle of a war, um, 
and you have to go back and say you get your, your yearly eval, which obviously affects a soldier because that's what his pay and his rank and everything's based on. You know, he would have to go in a convoy and go back to, um, you know, to his basically superior officer and, and get an evaluation. Uh, we transformed all that into a digital sense. So it could all be done over, you know, paperless and all online. So it's, you know, basically it's safeguarding a lot of these soldiers. So they're not having to put themselves at risk for unnecessary reasons. They're not, you know, just going out um, to fill out a medical form or to do an evaluation form. So that was a big project of basically transforming all of their paper forms into a digital asset. So um, that was a big one. So we ended up doing that for, um, for several years. Um, and then again, the, the, poli the politics aside, the government becomes <laughs> working in that side of life. It gets, it can get frustrating because things can, can drag along and you can get really slow. And, um, you know, after so many years, we, we kind of had said that's enough. And um, we ended up having uh, one of our mutual friends had just started up a, a healthcare company um, a year or so before then and basically said, hey, my company's booming. I'm, um, you know, we're, my infrastructure and stuff is about ready to fall apart and I really need your guys' help. And we had known this guy for, oh, Frank had, my partner had known him for, um, probably 20 years and I had known him for almost 10 and we said, okay, we'll come aboard. And they were, they were a healthcare company. Uh, it was a company called Recondo and they were located here in Denver as well. Um, and basically, uh, we built out their infrastructure. Um, Frank was the CTO and I was the vice president of all of uh, the cloud and cybersecurity side of life. And we built this company up from, uh, they had about 80 hospital integrations. And when we ended up leaving, um, a few years later, I think they had it integrated with over 800 hospitals. So um, they they're, they're, they had did revenue cycle management. They did a bunch of stuff with the billing. So most of their their technology was had something to do with like uh, the billing side of life from from the hospitals. So um, you know the investment company of of that company uh, ended up transitioning away from the current CEO and. Uh, brought in a whole nother C-suite, which, you know, traditionally when C-suites, when a new CEO comes in, you know, they bring their team. Um, and Frank and I had, at, were kind of at the point where we had really done what we had came there to do. So it was just a good point to say, hey, um, let's go do something else. The other aspect is, um, you know, we come from a very uh, cybersecurity side, whether it's from finance to transportation to working with the Department of Defense and stuff. Um, you know, at that time, it just seemed like every other day there was some type of cyber attack, whether it was on my, uh, you know, my bank account was taken, my healthcare account, something was, you know, being compromised. And I think the big one was, is um, I think it was 2013, 2014, I can't remember the exact year, the uh, Office of Personnel, so it's called OPM. They're the ones that, that control all of, all of your information for your security clearances for the Department of Defense. They were hacked. And so all of my information, which is a lot more information than traditionally you give to people because they're doing background checks on you. So all of my information, all of my wife's information, uh, my business partner's information, all his kids' information, all this information was basically taken. And we, we, we just said, okay, enough. I'm, I'm sick of being compromised. And, and of course, it was, the, it, was, it was the traditional thing where they'd give us, hey, we'll give you a year free of you know, uh, identity protection. Well, that, you know, that's, that's great and all, but that doesn't help all the information that was taken from me. And in the healthcare side of life, you know, it's one thing whenever you have your bank card, bank account stolen or whatever, they give you a new bank card. Um, but in healthcare, it's not like you can go get a new health profile. So 
you know, if you have, you know, a disease that's personal, you know, if you have HIV or if you have some other, some type of personal information, it's not like you can say, well, I don't have that now. And I mean, it's, that's personal information that you, you don't want out. So we decided, Hey, we have a vast amount of knowledge um, in cloud infrastructure. We have really great information or knowledge in, in cybersecurity. Uh, we've been doing this our whole lives. We have a fairly good background in, in healthcare now. Let's go and actually change. Let's go, let's go make this thing better. So um, let's secure our healthcare data as well as making it accessible. So, uh, you know, and that's the other thing is, you know, healthcare data in today's world is not that easily accessible. So whether, you know, and, and it's not, and it's also changed where you traditionally, you go see multiple different care providers throughout your life. So it's not like in the old days where, you know, from when you were born to all the way up through your adult life, a lot of times you're seeing the same doctor, um, your primary care physician. You may see multiple primary care physicians just, you know, in 10 years, or it, and now we have a lot of specialized medicine and such. So um, being able to have this data readily accessible is very, very difficult. Um, and then with the healthcare, healthcare, the healthcare costs rising, it seems to be exponentially. Um, you know, it's a lot of people are taking their data and their expertise and kind of taking it in house and trying to, you know, shop and, and being a lot more involved in their data. Um, and then with the advent of all the IOT devices and, and being able to measure whether it's, you know, your Apple watch or whatever it is to kind of help with your, with your, your healthcare needs. I mean, someone, somewhere there, you're going to have to put together uh, technology that allows you to uh, not only collect that data, but share it and do it securely. So that was kind of the whole premise of where we're at today. And we, we really have a, this huge premise of, of opening up healthcare and making it, you know, equal across everyone. So, I mean, there's, there's a huge disparity of, you know, of healthcare data and access to healthcare data. So, you know, whether you live in, depending on what zip code you live in to what type of um, economic condition that you live in. I mean, it's, it's not equal. Right. And then that's just in the United States and you take that into the third world countries and they have, you know, almost zero access to certain type of healthcare technology. So we wanted to provide a platform that enables people to create that next big thing, that next big application or then that next big um, you know, technology advancement to, you know, enlighten or help, people move forward. So that was, that's kind of the premise. I know it's a long, a long answer as far as, you know, how I got to today, but, you know, definitely very passionate of, of, of our company and what we've, what we've obtained. Yeah. This is big problems to solve that we're talking about here, but just because they're big problems doesn't mean they're not worth touching. And someone here in Colorado is touching a, a global issue and, and, and challenge for healthcare systems all over the world. So what is uh what what's transpired since then? What's what's kind of been um, the uh, the successes, the losses, and everything in between with uh, Burst IQ so far? Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, a big part of it is when we started out, it was you know we were fortunate enough to to um, come and t- come with a partner from Intermountain. Uh, they spun out a company that uh, basically was doing surgical, uh, surgical costs. So they were trying to reduce surgical costs. Um, and we really helped them uh, advance that technology out into the market. They, they were a, an amazing partnership with us. One is because we, we had kind of developed this platform and, and it, which helped them accelerate their, their growth. But also, you know, we, actually, we had a very good firm customer that allowed us to grow as a company as well. 
Um, so they were kind of a foundation and the company was called Empiric Health. And they, again, they were a spin out of Intermountain, which is one of the largest healthcare providers in the Western side of the United States. Uh, they, they really allowed us to kind of start growing. Um, and, and from there, we, and we, we've kind of, you know, grown slowly. Frank and I have been through this process several times um, in the past, and we've kind of bootstrapped our company. Um, we had several opportunities in the very beginning to um, take investment money. We've been down that path in the past, but traditionally when you take a lot of investment money at the very beginning, you lose control of your company. You're giving up, you know, the, the 51 or more percent of your company. And, and uh, while it sounds great to have cash in the bank, when you completely lose control, um, you're not making all the decisions. So, um, you know, we made a very concerted effort that we were going to retain control uh, and make sure we did this right. I and mean, we were very passionate about, we want this one to go correctly. Um, so we, we grew obviously slower than we, we could have. Um, and then last year we ended up actually doing a fundraise or doing an equity investment with a, with a partner called elsewhere. And they've been excellent so far, but, uh, obviously waiting longer or the equity of our company is worth more. We ended up, we could have taken more, but we took just enough to kind of um, get us a kind of a two year window of growth. So, um, so, so based on what and, you, not to cut you off, but what you said formally on funding, hot topic for everyone, everyone who starts a new business thinks they need to go get funding right away. Talked talked about it a lot on the podcast. Why at the point that you did, did you decide to accept funding? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we're kind of at a point where our technology, no one else is really doing exactly what we're doing. So we really feel like we kind of have a two year head start on um, around everybody else. There's a lot of people that have been talking. There's a lot of white papers. There's a lot of conceptual things and ideas of what we're wanting to do, but we're kind of the only ones that really have done it. Um, that's obviously not going to last forever. Um, and you know, if you throw enough money at it, you can take a two year window and narrow it down to a six or eight month window. So, um, at the growth rate that we were going, someone, someone's going to catch us and pass us. And then our company, you know, it could basically go away. So we basically realized, Hey, now's the time to really elevate this company to the next, to the next level. So, um, again, I ran all the operations side of life, um, Frank and one other person for the most part and myself as well helped was the sales side of life. So we didn't really have a traditional sales team. We didn't really have a finance team. We didn't, and so we had basically, you know, a couple of founders and some developers and stuff um, and some strategy people. So, you know, basically what we sold, we were able to use that money and, and spend to grow the company. Well, that's, that's kind of hard to go and build out a new uh, sales team or marketing team or do a PR campaign uh, when you don't have the money in the bank to go do that. So that's, you know, that's an investment and um, you kind of have to plan at least a, you know, a 12 to, month, to 18 month window there of, you know, that you're going to lose cash. And obviously if you don't have the funding, you're, you're not going to be able to go do that. So um, we decided that it was time to go do some hyper growth. Um, so we, again, we tried to find that, you know, 18 to 24 month window of cash that would allow us to go run at a loss to go and do the next big growth. Um, and, and it's kind of the, you know, kind of the window that we thought would be, you know, right where we wanted to be, I guess. So somewhat as a, as a business owner who's navigated down economies before, what, what, what was your perspective when, when COVID hit and how are you pivoting, navigating, making changes and maybe any recommendations you might have for other business owners uh, in this weird transitional time of history that we're in right now. 
Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a difficult one. I mean, I uh, pretty much, you know, graduated college out of 9-11. So um, that was definitely an impact of, my, of me. Um, and then going through the, the financial crash of 08, um, you know, I kind of talked about that a little bit, um, was definitely difficult. And this is, this is obviously a lot different. Um, it affects, you know, people from uh, all aspects to just crazy aspects of life. So, I mean, there hasn't really been a time in, you know, the last generation outside of some wars and stuff that, you know, you just didn't leave your house or you didn't, you weren't able to go to work or you, I mean, so there's, there's, there's a lot of things that make it very difficult. And I, I, I can only, I can only imagine how some of the families have impacted from, you know, the services side of life where they're, they, they physically can't work because, um, you know, they can't be there. Whereas, you know, a lot of companies like you and I were, we're, we're still able to do some things over, you know, Zoom or other calls, which, so, um, as far as, you know, how we pivot is, is you kind of have to look at it as what, you know, things are changing and, and things are going to continue to change and things, there are some things that are not going to go back to the way it used to be. I know there are some aspects of life that yes, they'll go back to normal, but there's going to be a new normal. So as far as pivoting, you, and this is, you know, a challenge for everybody is figuring out where is the new normal going to be? Because there's, there's a lot of different openings and opportunities that have, that have came from this. I mean, from the healthcare side of life, I mean, just one particular is telemed. So, I mean, that was kind of a thing, you know, before, and now it's a massive thing, right? So there's a whole bunch of different technologies around telemed, whether it's, you know, how you communicate and how you interact with a doctor. So, I mean, that's not going away. I mean, even, you know, five years from now, there's going to be a lot more telemedicine in the world than there was pre-COVID. So, um, you know, trying to figure out where the new norm is going to be, and it's, it's kind of difficult and, you know, obviously we're just into that, but that's kind of what we're trying to figure out is, is how can we, how can we make a difference moving forward? Because you can't just look at, okay, how things work and try to live off that model. You have to, we're trying to figure out how things are going to be, you know, post post COVID life when things kind of start to return back to normal and, and, and figure out what that niche is. So. Could you talk briefly about, the research foundry, what led you to developing that out? What does that entail? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we had planned this initiative, you know, well before COVID. And when COVID came around, um, it basically just jumpstarted. I mean, we, this was kind of our pivot, but we had this whole notion of basically creating this platform as a service for um, research and entrepreneurs uh, all over the United States as world to be able to do uh, whether it become research, and again, this is pre-COVID, so it could have been research on any aspect, or different type of um, entrepreneurial aspects. So basically, we want people to come onto our platform and develop different applications. So um, in the healthcare world, it's very, very difficult to, um, if you're dealing with any type of PHI, um, personal information, to be able to go and develop or develop on that platform. So there's a lot of rules and regulations that you have to have in place. You have to be HIPAA regulated. You have to be SOC compliant. I mean, there's all these different rules and regulations that you have to follow just to be able to get to a point where you can develop on an application. That takes a lot of time, energy, and money to do. So our platform, basically what we have done is done all that for you so that when you come now, you're just developing on that, our platform. So um, we've basically opened that up to a lot of, uh, there's, we have people in the U.S., we have people in Africa, we have people um, in the Middle East, we have people in Europe, we have people in Australia, just creating all these different applications. Um, and 
it, it's quite amazing to see how some of them, what they've, what concepts they've come up with. I mean, again, some of the third world countries that we talk with in Africa, I mean, just basic essential needs is obviously not there. Um, so when we've opened up this platform and basically our mantra was, you know, we're giving this platform open to, to entrepreneurs from startups for free. We're not charging any money. Um, and obviously somewhere down the road, if it rolls into a, a lucrative business model, then we'll, we'll renegotiate and, and, and you know, that, and, and see about some type of monetary funds there. It's kind but, of a daring idea. Know, what, like, uh, what made you decide to do that exactly? Well, again, we, you know, we have an enterprise business model um, that we're trying to do, but we also realize that there, there needs to be some change in the, in the healthcare side of life. It's, what we are doing right now is, is not working, right? And we're also smart enough to know that we're not going to figure that out on our own, right? So what do you do? You provide a platform, open it up to an unlimited amount of developers to come and develop something on our platform. You know, even if a handful of them become successful and it makes a change to this world, um, you know, if it becomes the next Google or next Facebook, obviously we're, we're gonna profit off that as well. But in the same sense, we're going to profit from just a technology as well, just from the gutter life. Um, and I, like I talked about some of the, some of the third world countries, um, you know, we would tell them, Hey, we're providing that. They'd be like, well, okay, well, how much is this? And we're like, well, it's free. And they literally just break down, like break down crying on zoom calls because they, you know, they've never had access to any of this stuff. And they're like, well, you know, how long is it going to be free? Well, as long as you need it. So, you know, our, our a lot of these third world countries, they're never going to be able to pay for, you know, services. Um, so we just really want to be able to give back to the, to some of these, some of these communities and just for the greater good, like I said, the next big thing is going to be more than likely developed out of, you know, some, some kid or, or, or some group out of a garage or, um, you know, a group of individuals here in Colorado or, you know, somewhere in Australia, you just don't know. Um, so we kind of wanted to open up and let people go and see what they could do. So, uh, the more, the more minds, the merrier, right? So that, that's kind of the, the thought we had. And, and again, we still have our enterprise, our enterprise side of life. So it's not like we're a nonprofit company. We still, we still want to make money. So we, we have that avenue as well. But uh, the, the, co the whole COVID research foundry really accelerated that because there was a huge need of how we're going to do research data. How, I mean, this isn't going to be the last time something like this happens, right? Um, so, we're, you know, while we're, we're doing these, these different, you know, um, competitions as far as uh, COVID data challenges or research data, uh, it's basically this has really taught us, okay, the next big thing or the next thing, um, this is going to give us a huge forefront moving forward. Well, Brian, that's incredible. Thank you for representing. Thank you for doing that for the community. I think it's really powerful stuff. Can't wait to see how it continues to progress. And, and thanks for mentoring us today. And before we wrap up, anything, um, anything top of mind for you that you'd like to share? Well, I mean, for all the entrepreneurs out there, I know, you know, obviously in today's world, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult decision as far as, you know, trying to move forward. But uh, I mean, my, my best advice is, you know, is to keep, is to keep trying. I mean, I, I trust you that, you know, as successful as I may, or as some of the aspects that we have become today, I've failed many, many times. So, um, you, you only become a better person when you have failed. It, you know, if, you, if you've never failed, then you've never challenged yourself. Um, and, and that's one of the, the great aspects of, you know, uh, of America. And, 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 you know, entrepreneurship is, 
is being able to pick yourself back up and, and, and trying again. So not every time you're going to succeed, um, you're going to have really great days and you're going to have really, really bad days. Trust me. Um, and you know, but if you don't have bad days, you're never going to have good days. So, uh, my recommendation is, to, is just keep striving forward and, uh, and, and just don't give up on that dream. Love it. Love it. How can people find you, follow you, get into contact with you? So uh, obviously www.burstiq.com um, is our website. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can send an, an, an or we have a, uh, a form within our website that you could make a request from. So there's, there's different ways to, to reach out to me and definitely uh, open to have conversations. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you for mentoring us through that today and, and really appreciate it. Guys, make sure you go follow. Uh, make sure uh, you go reach out, go learn what they're doing over at Burst IQ. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review. We'll see you on the next episode.